श्री चैतन्य महाप्रभु की जाय आनंद प्रभु की जाय हरे कृष्ण महामंत्र की जाय श्री गौर पूर्णिम की जाय श्री गौर पूर्णिम महामोत्सव तिथि की जाय गौर भक्त वृंद की जाय गौर प्रमानंदे हरि हरि बो सो वेलकम अगेन एवरीवन टू द ऑस्पिशियस गौर पूर्णिम फेस्टिविटीज I mentioned yesterday that uh during the talk that this morning and uh, later today I'll be speaking from Shikshastakam and uh I'm going to speak from the second verse today and the third verse this afternoon. I've given a series of lectures in Finland on the first I think four verses of Shikshastakam that some of you may have heard. and of course that inspired the uh, the commentary that um I've written and I'm presently revising finished the fourth chapter so maybe some repetition but the things you've heard before but it said that if you think you've heard these things then you haven't heard them <laughs> you think oh, I heard he heard that then you don't need to listen then you haven't listened very well So Mahaprabhu's second verse he says nam nam kari bahuda nijo sarva shaktis tatrapita niyamita smaranena kala etadrishi tava kripa bhagavan mamapi durdaiva midrishami hajani nanuraga In this verse Mahaprabhu continues from the first verse where he was extolling the virtues the efficacy uh, speaking about the efficacy of nam sankirtan which he did and as i say continues to do in the first part of this verse with a view to awaken faith in this this sadhana of nam sankirtan and its sadhya its its goal the practice and the goal which in this case are one and the same we don't chant to stop chanting remember many years ago fella asked me that he I think he was had been initiated and he said when when do we get to you know when can we stop <laughs> 16 rounds or when can we stop so no that's not the idea the idea is kirtaniya sadahari right that's coming in the third verse so good good reason for it and these reasons some of them have been offered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the first verse and in the second verse again he's continuing along those lines when he says nam nam kari bahuda he said oh bhagwan he says tabakripa bhagwan mamapi bhagwan your mercy is very great what is the example that nam nam kari bahuda that you have manifested in many names bahu means many in so many names and the implication of this mahaprabhu told rai ramananda and surup damodar whose close company he's keeping at this time while speaking shikshastakam this is in puri and the antilila very end of his lila manifest lila this shikshastakam comes so his company is not a large group but only intimates and two for that matter rai ramananda and swarup damodar these two are very important to chaitanya mahaprabhu in terms of the internal reason for his descent he came to taste radharani's love for himself he's krishna antar krishna but he gauram inside he's he's krishna although he bears outwardly a golden complexion this black color it's called sham this is the color of of conjugal love in indian aesthetics each emotion has a color and radharani is the manifest uh, mahabhav the extreme expression of mahabhav maha means great and bhav means love she's mahabhav swarupini the love that she tastes 
Krishna can also taste Mahabhav, but not the extent to which Radharani can taste. So, he's after that. And that color, the color of that bhav, that Mahabhav, Madanakya Mahabhav, it is called, is golden. So, he's taken on that golden complexion. He's Krishna, but he's taken on a golden complexion in pursuit of that. And, as I mentioned, Raya Ramana and the Suryapadamadar are very important in that regard because as Mahabhru is Krishna appearing in his lila as Gore in pursuit of Radha's love, so Suryapadamadar and Raya Ramananda also have a place in Krishna Leela. What is that place? Like the right and left hand of Srimati Radhika, Lalita and Vishaka, gopis. They know him very well. They know her, excuse me, very well. Vishaka Gopi is born on the same day as Radharani. So that means, according to Ash, this, 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 the stellar, you know, and the stars, there's, they have much in common. It was from Vishaka, or in the form of Roy Rama, Ramananda and Gaurilila, that Mahaprabhu heard so many things in their conversation. This sacred conversation between Ramananda Roy and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took place at Godavari, practically the first place he stopped on his way south from Puri on the pretext of finding his brother and preaching. It was but the Chadrasarva Boma who told, mm, well, if you're going to south, if you insist, and no one can check you, of course, one thing I would recommend, stop and see this fellow, Ramananda Roy. I never understood him previously, but now after understanding what you're about and having been converted to your idea, I can understand you and he have something in common. You should stop and see him. And of course, Mahaprabhu did, and this famous conversation took place in Chaitanya Charitamrita. In this section of Chaitanya Charitamrita, we find the zenith of uh, of what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was about, it, it comes out. So he's learning there. Mahaprabhu is learning. Krishna, Gaur Krishna, is learning from Vishaka Gopi how to how to pursue this this uh, this love of Radha, how to how to taste that. And Suruk Damodar, as Lalita Shaki, the most outgoing advocate of Radha Dasyam, of service to Radha, canvassing. So these two were Mahaprabhu's intimate associates in his Antilila. And so he's speaking the verses of Shikshastakam and then giving some explanation, slight brief explanation to them, to those prayers, in their, these two uh, eternal associates' company, and they're helping him and coaching him. And this, 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 that's what the Shikshastagma course is about. Mahaprabhu is giving his whole teaching. He's an Acharya. He's a coming as an Acharya. He's Krishna coming as an Acharya. Yes, he's coming to taste Radha's love, but he's also coming to teach. And so he sets an example. And after his whole Leela is completed, at the very end, he speaks the Shikshastagma as if to say, this is what I'm all about. And it begins with creating faith in faith in Namsan Kirtan by, as I say, extolling uh, its virtues, glorifying, trumpeting the glories of Harinam, its efficacy, how easy it is, how far it reaches, and so forth. And those things that he glorifies in the first verse, then he plays out in each successive verse. Ultimately, in the end, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu turns into Radharani in the last verse. He actually turns into Radha and fully uh, enters into the, the bhav and, and, and uh, Radha Prem. And there, as I say, coached by Surup Damodar and Roy Ramananda. So after uttering this first line of the verse, Nam Nam second verse, Nam Nam Akari Bahuda, he said, oh, Krishna is very merciful, he has many names. He told them, the implication of what I'm saying in my verse is this, that there are many many minds. There are many desires. Anik Lokir Vancha. There are many people with many desires. The distribution of Krishna Nam that was so much organized 
by Nityanam Prabhu. You know, marketing, that's part of the Vaisha <laughs> disposition. So Nityanam Prabhu became a marketer, businessman. He, he opened a business, a marketplace, Nam Hut. Hutta means marketplace. Oh, he opened a marketplace for selling Krishna Nam. And what was the price, the bargaining price? Faith, Shraddha. You give Shraddha, according to your Shraddha, you'll get this commodity, Krishna Nam, which is Krishna himself. So this whole development we find in Shikshastaka, which parallels the development given by Rupa Goswami from Shraddha to Prem, it's really all a development of Shraddha, it's the deepening of our, of our faith and entering the land of faith, ultimately, leaving all doubt, all confusion, all troubles behind. So when you open a marketplace to sell a commodity, then you have to consider that, uh, oh, there, I'll sell this product, but then people may want it like this or people may want it like that. And if you're a cloth merchant, for example, then you get different types of cloth and you find out, oh, people are interested in that. So we'll carry that too. We'll carry T-shirts and we'll carry dhotis. And Western people, like in Loi Bazaar, Loi Bazaar means like uh, wool market. It's a famous place where Prabhupada's disciples first went to shop, and so it's become, uh, in, in Vrindavan, it's become more than a, uh, it used to be just a wool market, but now it sells anything, everything related to Krishna consciousness and deity worship and instruments and arctic paraphernalia and so on and all these type of things, and you know, devotional paraphernalia, so... And then they find out, oh, the Westerners, they like T-shirts, and they like things printed on them. We print Hare Krishna on them, and we have this also. So, uh, many ideas that, that a businessman will know there are many minds in the marketplace. In fact, a good businessman will see, people are interested in this product. So, he'll think, hmm, there's, so there's room for another store, the same product. Little little variation, little difference. And so, Nityananda Prabhu is the good, mar- good marketer of Harinam. And... And Krishna has supplied him with many names. Many names. Well, who? He says, there are many names. So, Mahaprabhu told Ramananda Roy and Supadamra, the implication of what I'm saying, when I say, oh, Bhagavan, you're very merciful, you have manifested in many names, is that there are many desires in the marketplace of the world. People have many desires. And so there are many names to satisfy different types of people who have different kinds of desires. This is an interesting idea. In the higher end, of course, then, there will be particular names that a devotee likes to sing and chant that correspond with his or her heart. It's love for Krishna. But in the, get, in, in the beginning, then, uh, people may not have love of Krishna. Still, he manifests in so many names, and the implication of this is what? It's, it's that there's a correspondence between the desires of the jivas and the names of the Lord, like Krishna said in Gita. What does he say in Gita? See, he should be listened to. Jejatamam prapadyante tamstataiva bhajamiyaham. Mamabhartmanuvartante manushapartasarvasa. Krishna says, as people approach me, with whatever desire they approach me, I reciprocate accordingly. And what is the difference between Krishna and his name? No difference. So Mahaprabhu was saying like this, that I manifest in, the God manifests, Bhagavan Krishna manifests in so many forms. And relative to the desires of the devotees, so how many, or, or people, means he says, anek lok, vansha, the people in general have many desires. We don't know how many names Krishna has. How many names? The implication of this statement of Mahabrabhu and his explanation is what? It's that there are unlimited desires in the hearts of the jivas and there are unlimited names of God. According to Vedanta Sutra, every word in Sanskrit is a name for God. Primarily. And only secondarily does it represent the particular thing that people identify with that word. This is a statement of Vedanta Sutta. The Mahabharata was ex- more or less explaining this in his Shikshastakam, some Vedanta for us. 
Now, Vedanta Sutra says this is a very high realization, and this takes time to, to in study of Shastra to come to this conclusion, how every word is a name for God, to see like this. But do we have any example of that, of anyone? We have the example of Nimai Pandit himself, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was named Nimai, and then he got the name Pandit. Nimai means, uh, he was named after the Neem tree. He was born underneath a neem tree. And the neem tree it was said to chase away evil spirits. It's, it's medicinal and, uh, and, uh, and, and so forth. So I think it was Sita Thakurani, the wife of Advaita, who said, oh, we, we, for, for good luck we'll call him Nimai, so that no evil spirits will come. And after all, as we heard this morning, Mother Sachi had, what was it, eight daughters who died at birth. And so it looked like the family was really troubled by evil spirits, ghosts and things. So, And later, Pandit, Nimai Pandit, because of his, um, uh, what a good student he was, how learned he was. So Nimai Pandit, at one point, went to East Bengal. What happened in East Bengal? Nimai Pandit got initiated by Ishwar Puri. And when he came back, he had gone, he had a, at that time he was a student of Sanskrit and, and all studies, but, uh, he was teaching grammar. So he, he had some students, he was married to Lakshmi Priya. And so, ostensibly, for the sake of gathering some new students and income as a householder, he went to East Bengal to increase his student, but he became a student there. The great Nimai Pandit became a student of Ishwar Puri, the student of a different kind of knowledge than that which he had been learning and, uh, and, and teaching. The knowledge, is, as I've said many times, it has an agenda of its own, and it, we're on it. Hmm? <laughs> Otherwise, ordinarily, we are accustomed to getting knowledge and putting it our, on our agenda or using it to foster and facilitate our own agenda our own mind's idea of what's good for us, what's best, and, and so on, how we can be happy. No, this is a different kind of knowledge. And it's full of happiness. So the fact that we're on its agenda, don't be afraid. <laughs> no, its agenda is to make you happy. So Nimai Pandit became a disciple of Ishwar Puri and of this kind of knowledge, and he came back maddened in love of God and so when he began, when he continued his teaching in, Bang, in West Bengal, how did he teach? He taught what? That every word in Sanskrit was a name for God. And the students couldn't understand what he was t- really talking about. So he, he exemplified this uh, uh, realization that's mentioned in the sutras. Baladev Vijibhushan, commentator in the Gaudiya lineage, says with regard to that sutra that... He quotes Bhagavad Gita. He says, Vasudeva Sarvamiti, seventh chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Vasudeva Sarvamiti. Vasudeva is everything. Bahunam Janmanamante Ganavamam Prapadyante. Vasudeva Sarvamiti Samahatma Sudulabha. The Mahatma, the great soul, is Sudulab, very rare, who understands what? After Many births, he or she understands what? Vasudev Sarvamiti. Everything is Krishna. There's nothing but Krishna. <laughs> there's no separate thing. There's no, there's no second thing. Advaigyan Tattva. There's only Krishna. Manifested variously through his different shaktis. But it's only him that we're, we're, we're tasting, hearing, seeing, although we don't recognize. So after many, many births, a great soul, a rare soul, comes to the conclusion, Vasudev Sarvamiti. Baladev quotes this, Vasudev Sarvamiti. said, realizing every word in Sanskrit language is Krishna, this is Vasudev Sarvamiti. Mahaprabhu had this realization. This is Vedanta. He was a Vedantist. It's questionable how he was a Vedantist. We're explaining that. In the second verse, it comes out very clearly. What is the Vedanta that underlines all that he said 
thus far about the glories of the holy name. It's this, it's this, it's this. Like, wow, that, that's great. But then some of my question, well, wait a minute. Can you just say those things? The name does this. It gets, it gives liberation very easily. It, it cleanses the heart. It immerses you in an ocean of ecstasy, ever-increasing ecstasy. It gives prema and one thing after another. And, and there are many, many names to choose from. And nam namakari bahuda nidasarva shaktis tatrarpita niyamite smarane nakala. Anyone can chant them anytime, any place, anywhere. There are no rules governing the chanting. So, sounds great. And people may jump in, but some people may hesitate. And, well, wait a minute, How, what's, the, what's the logical and reasonable and scriptural basis for all of this glory of non-Prabhu? So that it's coming in this verse. And we begin by explaining that Lord has many names. Mahaprabhu said these names correspond with the desires of the jivas. If the desires of the jivas are unlimited, the names must be unlimited. Every word must be actually really in every language, really, a name for God. Mahabhu realized that what is valuable in every object is really Krishna. Just like I've said before, that we place value in material things as much as we extend ourselves into them by identification. Because I extend myself into the car and I think it's my car, then it's, it has value. So what's the value? Why is your car more valuable than somebody else's car to you? Because you're in it. So what's valuable is you. Consciousness. This is the value. And Krishna, of course, is the reservoir of consciousness. He's in everything, sustaining everything. So there's a way of seeing language. And language is interesting, of course, in postmodern times. I'm sure you're all acquainted with postmodernism, <laughs> but uh, much of it is about the fact, the idea, the concept that we are a product of our environment and, and our and our language. By the study of different languages, we see that certain vocabulary is there and way of expressing things, and people act in a corresponding way, and and, and so on and so forth. So we could, if we, th- if we th- just come into my mind now, but if we thought about it, we could. We could go with this idea a little bit in, in terms of every word in Sanskrit being a name for God and what kind of people then become interested in that language and and so forth. But we can extend, really, I think, in every utterance, really. It's really about Krishna, but this is a question of realizing that and seeing that. They don't know it when I say it, but this is there's, since there is nothing but Krishna, this is the point. Mahaprabhu thought, understood that by extension, anything that's, any word that speaks about power or energy is related to the energetic source. Again, he saw what, whatever was valuable in anything, that this is, this is Krishna, and in this way he uh, exemplified, personified this kind of realization that is mentioned in the sutras. Nimai Pandit. His guru told him what? Don't study Vedanta. Just chant Krishna Nam. But don't think there's no Vedanta to support this idea of chanting Krishna Nam. No. It is the essence of all Vedanta. Mahaprabhu said, this name, he goes on, it can be chanted anywhere, anytime, any place. Krishna's names, God's names. This practice of Nam Sankirtan, invoking the name of God. There's no rules. Uh, there's no. There's no. There's no rule. There's no uh, time, place, circumstance. Anywhere it can be done. He told them, after uttering this, he told Ramananda Roy and Subhadra, "You can do this in your sleep, even while walking, while lying down, while sleeping. You cannot chant the Vedic mantras like that while sleeping, while lying down, whether clean or unclean. No." There are so many rules and facing a certain direction and a proper pronunciation. If you pronounce it wrong, you could get the opposite result. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a, a record of that in, in Bhagavatam, actually. What did they want to do? They wanted to, they wanted to create a demon who would 
could kill the enemy of Indra, but they chanted it the wrong way and they got a demon who was the enemy of Indra. That is Vritra. Vritra. Vritrasura. That's interesting. But that those are very sophisticated mantras. <laughs> <laughs> but Krishna, Krishna Nam, this is, and Hare Krishna mantra, which Mahabharu particularly, with regard to chanting Krishna Nam, told his disciples, you should chant this Hare Krishna Maha mantra. It's mentioned in Chaitanya Bhagavad. This is, as I've many times said, in the vocative. So it's just a crying out. In the liberated life, they're doing that. Oh, Krishna, oh, Ram, oh, Hari. And so we can just cry out, not with the same feeling that they have, but out of some necessity. Oh, or giving up, hold your hand, I give up, Krishna. Oh, Krishna. So, Mahabhava said like this, no rules, no regulations, and there are rules that govern meditation. It's interesting what does he say in this verse. Nam namakari bahudani desarva shaktis tataradbita niyamita smarane nakala. He uses the word smarane. What does smarane mean? It means meditation. He's speaking about nam kirtan, but he uses the word smarnam. So he's like, this name can be remembered. That means you can meditate on the name. When we do japa, this is nam smarnam as opposed to nam kirtan. So he's saying, practically, practically, with this nam, there's no difference between kirtan of nam and smarn of nam. So he's talking about meditation, and as I say, there are many rules for meditation. And you have to have a pure heart to be able to sit and meditate. But for my uh, process, he says, my method, nam san kirtan, the, the method that's about my madness, there are, no, there, are, there are no such rules. So, this is again a very extraordinary, wow, how we should, why we should not, uh, how anyone would hesitate to take this up. I've said before, it's very user-friendly, but Nam Sankirtan. But that doesn't mean that it won't be difficult. But comparatively, what we get as a result of it, that is very extraordinary. The effort you will put into other types of meditation or other spiritual disciplines, the fruit that you will get from that will not compare to that of Namsan Kirtan. And there will be so many other details in the Karma Marg or Gyan Marg that you have to follow. Karma Marg is just you just run away if you hear all the details that you have to follow. And Gyan Marg also very, very difficult. So comparatively very easy and the, the result is greater so then we think, it's well, it's cheap then. Yeah, so you hear that, and we get faith, and we come on, on board, of course. But then we find out <laughs> it's cheap, but comparatively cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, there's some price you have to pay, no doubt. But, again, comparatively, the classic uh, story is there of Mahaprabhu's own example, and he was chanting Krishnanam, Krishnanam, and his tongue wouldn't stop, and he thought it was a problem because he would go and in an unclean state, uh, before taking bath, his, his, in the morning his tongue would be vibrating, so he was concerned that he might get some bad reaction. But Gopal Guru, one of his disciples, said, no, you don't have to think like that about Krishna Nam. He told him there are no rules. So he said, oh, he called him Gopal Guru, Goswami, from that day on. You are my guru in this regard. So, Any Jasarva Shaktis. While Mahabhu said there are many names, he's interested particularly in names, Nidrasarva Shakti, that are full of all of his Shakti. These are means primary names. So there may be secondary names. Like what's an example of a secondary name of God? Paramatma. Paramatma. Brahman. Not speaking about the Lord with regard to Leela, where his Shakti is fully manifest. These names, Nidrasarva Shakti, where all my Shakti is present in them. These are primary names. Where, what are these names? Where do these names come from? These primary names of God, where do they come from? From the heart. Whose heart? Devotees. It's what devotees call him. Nandanandana. They call him. Oh, there is Yashoda Nandana. Who is the joy of Yashoda? Gokulananda. Who is the joy of all of us? In Gokul. These devotees are giving these names. These names are coming from their hearts. And what are these devotees? What it, mean, what it means to be a devotee? It means 
When the Sudasattva comes, the Surup Shakti comes, fully manifest in our heart, then we're fully devotee, and then we feel a particular way about Krishna. Then there are certain ways in which we see him. He manifests to us in our heart. In the stage of our Shakti, he comes and sits in the heart. Paramatma is displaced completely. He sits in the heart. And then the devotee's love that, that is drawing him there causes him to appear in a particular way, dressed in a particular way, relative to their sentiment. And then some name comes from their heart that they like. means how they see him. And he likes to be called by those names. Those names have great power to capture him, to attract him, to captivate him. So what what are these what are his those names? They are the expressions of love for him from his devotees, and he is non different from his name. So we have more Vedanta, Achintya Veda Veda, Tattva, the Shakti Man that is Krishna, energetic, and the Shakti that is his devotees, and they're one and different at the same time. They're different. Enough so that they can stand separate and say, I love you. <laughs> Krishna. Gukulananda. Radhanath. Jashodanandan. Devakinandan. Different kinds of devotees. Dwarkanath. Maturanath. Different kinds of devotees that have different names for him that they like, that are dear to them. And they sing those names and this endears them to this captivates Krishna. So he says, Nam Namakari Bhavata Nijasarva Shakti. I've invested all my Shakti in these names. So we, we, we are drawn to the Shakti, to his devotees. We are interested in loving Krishna. Therefore, the devotees of Krishna are more important to us than Krishna because they are uh, embodiments of love of Krishna. They are, the, I mean, with the, who, who gives the example, the ideal, and it personifies that. How valuable is that to us? And by pursuing that, then, of course, Krishna is captivated. The two, his devotees and he, are one and different. So he's one with his name and different. This is the idea. Nam namakari bahuda nijasarva shaktis. Yes, there are many names, he says, but these particular names that are filled with my shakti, filled with Bhagwan shakti, Mahaprabhu says, oh, these, are, these, these are what we're concerned with in Nam Sankirtan. We're not concerned with Paramatmanam and Brahman and these kind of names. Antayami, no. The uh, full names, primary names of God that speak about him in relation to Leela, which is about his relationship with his devotees. That's what makes the whole thing go around. Then again, so therefore we say, where is Krishna more than anywhere else? He's in the heart of his devotees. Why do we bow before the deity? Because the devotees said, that's God. We heard it from them. They had the vision in their heart. We talked about the deity worship last night. How it comes from the heart of a devotee, the deity manifests. It's installed and the temple is built and so forth. So we find Krishna in the heart of his devotees. Hmm? Mahaprabhu has made this point. And he's made the point here in terms of, Vedanta, in terms of his Vedanta, that the Shakti... And himself, Bhagwan, are one and different. And these primary names, again, easy to chant. Anywhere, anytime, any place. Hmm? Not governed by the rules and regulations. Mahaprabhu was chanting in Banaris, the, the, like the stronghold of the Mayavadis, Gyanis, Advaitins, big learned sannyasi scholars who would sit and discuss scripture and the aphorisms of Vedanta, Hambramasmi, Tattvamasi, and these things, and, and analyzing the meanings and, and, and so forth. The Mahaprabhu came singing and dancing in Sankirtan, and they accused him of being a, a sentimentalist. Where is your Vedanta? Well, have you lost your mind? You're a sannyasi and you're singing and playing instruments? Where's the... You're supposed to be sober and not be carried away by emotions of the world. 
maybe oh, there's some place for for less intelligent people to sing names of God and so forth. And, and but Nazi should be able to put these things down and, and retire. This, this is all saguna, or this is all from the material world manifestations of sattvaguna or something. But uh, now you should be able to sit soberly and be peaceful. If you're peaceful and happy, then why move around? What to speak of dancing and chanting, singing with other crazy people and like this? He was criticized. Where is your Vedanta? But of course, Mahaprabhu sat with them then and spoke to them. What was his Vedanta? He spoke from Bhagavatam, four verses of Bhagavatam that were spoken by Krishna to Brahma. He explained them. He explained his Namsan Kirtan and converted all of them from Ganmarg to Bhakti Marg. He converted them all to his Namsan Kirtan. So there must be some Vedanta underlying this, although he began by con- converting them by telling them what? He said, why are you chanting this? He said, oh, my Gurudev, Ishwar Puri, he told me I was not capable of studying Vedanta. It's very tedious subject and lengthy and it's Kali Yuga and time is short. So he just told me to just just say Krishna, Krishna. I don't know. I'm not qualified to study Vedanta. So I just say Krishna, Krishna, and it makes me like this. It makes me mad. <laughs> this is how he began <laughs> to preach to these big Vedantists. And, of course, he converted them all. Is there any Vedanta, any reasoning, any scriptural basis underlying this enthusiasm for Namsan Kirtan? What is Vedanta? Vedanta begins, Atato... Brahma Jignashu. Now is the time to inquire about Brahman. For all you pious people, or those of you who've had a good association with the sadhu, you should know there's more to life than what meets the eyes, than what the, the senses dictate to the mind. No, something underlying that, and you're of that nature. So now is the time to inquire about Brahman. Atato Brahma Jignashu. Then it says what? What is Brahman? That from which the world comes. These are the first two sutras of Vedanta. And then Vedanta Sutra says, the question comes, well, how, how, how will we do that? Brahman is that from which the world comes. How will we know, realize Brahman? Shastrayonitvat, it says. Oh, from sound. From sound. Brahman issues forth from the womb of Shabda, transcendental sound, Shastra. Shastra means Shabda, transcendental sound, revelation. Revelation will come through sound. Oh, so that sounds good. But then the question comes, wait a minute. There are so many sounds in the Shastra, in the Veda. It's a jungle of sounds, practically. And some sounds say go this way, some sounds go that way. Say, some say, go this way, that. So many different directions, it appears. How we sort all this out? The next sutra comes. It says, what? Tattu samanrayat. No, all these sounds, revealed sounds, they're all really pointing in the same direction. They're all pointing to Brahman. It's only when you take them out of context they'd appear to be advocating something else. But when you study it, this means... When you study it in context, you see it's all pointing in the same direction. It's all this Shastra, all the revealed sound is pointing to Brahman. Rupa Goswami, what did he say? Nikila Shuti, Nikila Shuti, Ratnamolam, Dutinirajita, Padapankajantam, I think it is something like that. Nice verse. From his Namastakam, he's glorifying Harinam. First verse, he says, all of the statements of the Upanishads, this means all this Shastra, all this Shabda, all these sounds that are really about Brahman, when understood in context, if you were to go through as a Vedantist and study them, that's what Vedanta Sutra is trying to do, trying to show you how all these sounds are really pointing in the same direction, it's all about Brahman, and, and by them you can understand Brahman and so forth. Rupa Goswami says, all these Shruti, Shruti means the Upanishads, 
all these aphorisms of the statements uh, of the Upanishads, they're all like valuable jewels that have light. And what they're doing with that light, if you look carefully, he says, this is the Rao Goswamis, they, they are said, for our benefit, for the lokanam hitakarano, to give kindness to others, they took all these scriptures and they actually undertook the task that Mahaprabhu's guru told them that's not possible in Kali Yuga. Study Vedanta is just like, it's, it's, it's a botheration. Just chant Krishna Nam. But to give support to that idea, these Goswamis, they took, they went through all this stuff. And they wrote their own idea of Vedanta. Nana Shastra They studied this scripture very, very closely. And they drew support for Mahaprabhu's Nam Sankirtan and Mahaprabhu's ecstasy, the result of Nam Sankirtan, and explained it according to the scripture. They could see he's, he's what it's about. So scripture has to be supportive of this. If it's not, who cares for the scripture? So they showed how to give support for that what Mahaprabhu was about and what his process. What a nice poem, Namastakam, he makes this this point. He says, actually, if you, if you study it all, and he did, of course, Rupa Goswami, hmm? Jiva Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, if you study it all, what you'll find, we'll cut to the chase here about sound. He said, all these sounds of the Upanishads are like valuable jewels, and they're all shining light on one sound made of two syllables, Krishna, Krishna. They're all shedding light on... Go there. This is the sound. And that will take you. Where? That will tell you more, reveal more to you about Brahman than any other sound and more than all of the sounds of the scriptures combined. This one sound. Yes, Rupa Goswami taught what? Brahman is the source of the world. As the Vedanta Sutra said, but what is the world? The world is all these jivas interacting with matter in pursuit of some taste. They're all living for some taste, some relationship. And they're pursuing that taste in relation to matter. And they're not getting much of a taste. They're only getting a shadow. This is the fact. They're only getting a shadow. They're dissatisfied. So the shadow comes from the, the substance so, Brahman is the full face of what everyone's searching for in the world. What is that? Rasa. And Taitare Upanishad, there's a statement there. Rasu Vaisaha. Brahman is Rasa. Brahman is the source of the world, and Brahman is Rasa. The world is all about pursuing Rasa, taste, relationship, about pursuing love, but in a confused way, in relation to matter. So you only get the shadow of it. And the full face of it, that is in Brahman. Brahman is Rasa. And it says, Taitareya, and if you know Brahman as Rasa, then you taste Rasa. Anandi. You will become an Anandi. Full of joy. Full of, full of relish. Full of bliss. So this idea of Brahman, what Rupa Goswami has explained, what Mahabharata's followers have explained, what Mahabharata was about, that idea of Brahman, Brahman is rasa, means the adirasa, the origin of all rasa, Radha Krishna Pranay. The origin of all relationship is the is the love of Radha and Krishna. This is the adi, mukya rasa, adirasa, it, all coming from there. All other tastes of love, they are all within the love that Radha has for Krishna, and partially manifests. This is the Adi Rasa, this is the Mukya Rasa, the full face of Rasa, the origin of all mellow, mellowness, or <laughs> tastiness. This is Brahman. This is the Goswami's idea, Mahaprabhu's idea of Brahman. They brought, make Brahman dance. And there's not that there's no support in the Upanishad. There is. What they did with that one statement, how they took that one statement, made, made so much out of that. Hmm? Explain Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So therefore, they're saying, by this sound, Krishna, you can know Brahman. Like he cannot be known by any other sound. Sutras end with this statement, Anabrati Shabdat, Anabrati Shabdat. That is the end of Vedanta Sutra. I told the first four, now we go to the end.
You should inquire about Brahman. Brahman is the source of the world. Brahman will be realized through sound. And although there appear to be many sounds, all really saying the same thing, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes in and says, but my guru said he can't study all this stuff. It's too hard. Just take this one sound. And then our Goswamis have given so much support for that idea. This is the short version of Vedanta. Then we go to the end, the last sloka, last sutra, Anabhati Shabdat, Anabhati Shabdat. It means, going there, you will never return because of sound. <laughs> That's what it says, literally. On account of sound, going there, you will never return. The ordinary way of interpreting it is, going there, you will never return because the sound says that. The Shabda says it, the Shruti says that. Because the Upanishads say so. Once going there, one never returns. But it can also mean, going there, one never returns because of sound, because of this sound, Krishna. On account of this one sound, if you utter it, you will go there and never return. You will go so far, It's possible, some people say. You could fall from this place or that, but not from that place. From this attainment or that, part, but not from my dham, Krishna says. If you go to my dham, my abode, there's no return. And Goloker Premodham, Premodhan, Hodinam Sankirtan. From Golok, that is his abode. Goloker, Prem, Dhan, the charity, the gift, the wealth of Prem. It comes from Goloka, from his Dham, in the form of Nam Sankirtan. Goloker, Premodham, Premodhan, Hodinam Sankirtan. By this sound you can go there and never ever return. It means you will be entangled in a web of love of Krishna. There's no possibility of getting out even if you wanted to, which is impossible. Because there's two sides to the whole thing. The devotee wants to be there. And Krishna wants to be with the devotee also. So even if you wanted to, Krishna wouldn't let you go. Of course, you never will want to, and that's why he'll never let you go. <laughs> this is a bad bed. <laughs> okay. No possibility. Some people say that you can fall from there once, but not twice, but no. <laughs> the Nitya Siddhas are there, and only the Sadhana Siddhas have fallen. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right there, we're, we're, we're stuck right there. Huh? How could that be? How can you be a sod in the Siddha and come from there? You would have to be a Nityas. Anyway, so that's another subject. <laughs> no coming no no coming back. No leaving that place. So this way Mahabharu has given some Vedanta, some support for his statement. You can chant anywhere, anytime, place. Sounds like, wait a minute, this is getting a little you're saying you know, all these things and then you can do anywhere, even in your sleep you can do this. Where's the where's the, the Vedanta support? This the logic. Such is the nature of Krishna Nam. This one sound, Krishna. These two syllables. Hmm? And as I say, all these jnanis and advaitins of Banarat, they all became converted. Were converted by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from Jnana Mark to Bhakti Mark, from their uh, sadhana to the sadhana of Namsan Kirtan. Nam namakati bahuda nija sarva shaktis tatrarpita niyamita smaranena kala etadrishi tavakripa bhagavan mamapi dudaivam. Now there's a change. What has Mahaprabhu done so far in his Shikshastakam? He's given the Vishai. These are Vedantic terms. Vishai means subject, a proposition. What is Mahaprabhu's proposition? Nam Sankirtan. This is the best sadhana and the best sadhya. All other dharmas, all other paths can be retired. Just by taking Nam Sankirtan, you will get anything you could have got from them and more. This is his thesis. Vishai. But then, now he gives Samshai. Samshai means a doubt. This is how Vedanta works. A thesis will be given, then a doubt will be raised. However, <clears throat> and then 
after the doubt is given, the, 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 the antithesis. So we've got thesis, then antithesis. What is Mahaprabhu's antithesis? I should say, what is his doubt? His sangsha, his doubt. His doubt is, yeah, do a daivam. Yeah, the Nam's great and all this Nam Sankirtan is great. Oh, well, so wonderful, but wait a minute. I'm not getting anything from it. Hmm. I have Nanurag, Nananurag, I'm not attracted. I'm not attached to it. If it's so great, it's so easy, and why am I not like just ecstatic? Mahabhu is speaking like a sadhaka. He says, I have a doubt. And let me give you some evidence to support my doubt. That is called Purvapaksha. The evidence to support my doubt doubt. My doubt, do daivam, I have a doubt. My support for my doubt against the thesis, arguing against the thesis, is that nananurag. I have no attachment. It's so great, but it's not working for me. Maybe it works for somebody else, but it doesn't seem to be working for me. He's given his thesis. He's given the antithesis. Ant- antithesis. So now we need a synthesis. <laughs> This is the way Vedanta works. They give the sutras given, the, the the point is made, then a doubt is raised, then an argue against that. Hmm? There's an argument against that, and then Siddhanta comes. Siddhanta harmonizes the argument against it and and dismisses the argument. The argument is Namsan Kirtan. Hmm? This is the be all and end all of spiritual life. Now there's an argument against that. What will be the Siddhanta? that reestablishes the thesis, the synthesis. That is the question. Mahabharata said, Durdaivam, Yadni Nanuraga. I have a doubt. Durdaivam, if we analyze this, what does it mean? The, the Siddhanta, of course, is, no, Namsan Kirtan is everything it's said to be, but, although there are no hard and fast rules for chanting, yes, Still, there are some things that are conducive to that chanting, and there are some things that are not conducive to that chanting. When Mahaprabhu spoke this doubt, so much humility came up in his heart. He told Ramananda Roy and Sukhramana, uh, Krishna says, he was filled with humility and some lamentation. Just see my condition. I have no attachment. I have some doubt. Doubt means an artha. Doubt, this durdaivam, this misfortune, he says, that I have no attraction, that he's voiced as, as, a, as, a, as a kind of a doubt. He says, the reason for this, the, the explanation, the synopsis, the reason you have no attachment is because of anartha. What is anartha? Anartha means a, a, a false value. Artha means value. So anartha, false value. So because we've identified with the body, we have false values. And when we move in relation to those, we misbehave. We behave in ways that are inappropriate for us. We're souls. We're acting like bodies. We're superior to matter, but we're acting like, like matter is all in all. And we're chasing after so many manifestations of it. This is misbehavior. This is durdaivam. There are different kinds of anarthas, of course. The principal type of anarthas that we should be concerned with are namaparad. Bhaktivinoda says in one place, amar durdaivam dasaparad. My dudaivam, this is the word Mahaprabhu used, my misbehavior, my misfortune, is these ten offenses to the holy name that I'm implicated in. So from the background we have, if not in the present, hopefully, from the background, offense to Nam, just the, the result of bodily identification causes one to do things that are inappropriate in terms of being a soul, and these things are getting in the way. So Mahaprabhu identifying this fills up with humility. The Siddhanta is, the conclusion is, the synthesis is, no, Namsan Kirtan is perfect, but because we have this background of offenses, therefore we have to approach this Nam systematically with humility under the guidance of the Guru. This is the teaching. We should get Nam blessed, to chant Nam by the Guru and follow the guidance of the Guru. Now there are some rules. Oh, Krishna says in Gita, Mahatmanas tu maam parta daivim prakritim ashrita. Bhajanti ananda manaso gnatva buddha de In the verse, he says, 
Satatam kirtayantamam yatantas chadrudavataha. He's describing Mahatmas who are under the power of the protection of his Surup Shakti. He says, Satatam kirtayantamam. They are always chanting my name. Satatam kirtayantamam yatantas chadrudavrata. And observing vows. Observing vows and regulations like following uh, the codice and observing Janamastami and avoiding this and that and all these things are anukul. Doing these things that's favorable to this chanting. So when we get some faith, the Guru is preaching, so we want to get involved and he encourages us and then, then we want to, we find out, oh, there are some rules. Just like that story, the devil, you know, the guy went to hell, I told it the other day. The fellow was, the devil had some people canvassing up topside and, um, <laughs> And that uh, you could come down for a visit, just check it out. So this one guy signed on. He came down to, just to check it out, okay. And when he came down to hell, the devil greeted him and gave him a lounge chair next to the pool and cold drinks and beautiful women and so forth. He was just having himself a time <laughs> down there. It was just like a total vacation. And so then the uh, the devil came by and said, "How are you liking it down here in hell?" And the devil said, this is great. I mean, you got a bad rap, you know. <laughs> you should hear what they say about you up there and your place. I mean, this is great. I mean, I, I'd love it down here. And he said, well, you know, you can stay if you want. He, he thought about it and he thought, why not? This is a lifetime opportunity <laughs> to stay in a place like this. So he signed on. He goes, here's the contract. You sign on like this and you can stay forever. And he said, okay. And he signed his name. He said, okay, there's a couple guys who come to uh, assist you further, you know, take you to your residence and so forth. <laughs> so the devil walked away and then these two Yamadudas came along and grabbed the, grabbed the guy and dragged him into a pot of boiling oil and tortured him and so And he's screaming, yelling, and then he sees the devil walk by in the distance. He says, hey, Satan, what's going on? I signed on to stay down. Where's the pool? Where are the cold drinks? And... Uh, <laughs> And he said, oh, the said, oh, that's only for the guests. <laughs> so the, <laughs> the, idea, the idea is that uh, we invite people, yes, chant and be happy. <laughs> Anyone can chant. There are many names. Any, just get involved, yes. But when we get a little close, we see, oh, there are some things you have to do also that, like I said, it's easy comparatively. So when we see, oh, there's work to be done, oh, my heart is, is sturdy, and therefore, although Christianam is sweet, I'm afflicted by jaundice, I can't taste the sweetness. Like, in, when you have jaundice, you can't taste sweetness, but sugar is the cure for jaundice. So I have some work to do also. So I have to chant under, uh, under, under guidance, and, 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 and that means what? I had to develop humility. Mahaprabhu's heart smelled, swelled up with humility. And so, when we practice it this way, Namsan Kirtan, then this misfortune will systematically go away. We'll learn the theology, we'll learn the philosophy, and then we'll never blame Krishnanam and think, I came and I chanted for a while, and, you know, but I didn't get much out of it, and, and, uh, and so I'm going to go somewhere else, and, and you, you ra- reason that the, this, is, or this is not what it's made out to be. If you know the philosophy, you won't reason like that. We're just giving it to the tip of the iceberg so much reasoning, so much scripture, so much Vedanta is behind this idea. And the fact that you're not getting Prem today or yesterday, that's no reason to run away. I say, again, it's cheap comparatively because it's so valuable what you have to pay. But there's some price. Yes. So Mahaprabhu was recognizing that price. And we should acknowledge that. And as Mahaprabhu has done, in the very least, our heart should swell up with humility, not pride. Humility. What is that humility? At least humility that comes from the mind. Later it will come from the soul itself. But at least in mind we should think, this is really a, the best possible opportunity that's come to me of its own, as a, by way of a, a blessing, really, hmm, to me. And I'm not really that, I have some interest in it, but not the kind of interest that I should have, given, given what it is. And therefore, I should be humble. Because if we humble ourselves, 
in spite of our disqualifications, then those who have the product that they're offering it to us, that they'll appreciate it. In other words, NAM will stay with us in spite of our disqualifications, in spite of our offenses, if we are humble. But if we are proud, then we have nothing going for us whatsoever. Nothing. If someone comes and they want Krishna consciousness, but they're feeling very unqualified, and, and they, they, they say like that, and they're very humble, and we'll say, oh, come on, and come on, and it's okay. But if they show pride and fight with us, Go, go ahead, go. You know, we don't need that around here. This is a great opportunity. If you don't like it, if you, it's fine. Go somewhere else. But where we see humility, devotees naturally go there. They're naturally attracted there. That humility will attract help, guidance. We see someone humble, we know, well, when they listen, it won't go in one ear and out the other. It'll go in and go into their heart. So this is what Mahaprabhu has shown by his example when he brings up this problem. This problem says, I'm misbehaved, therefore I cannot get the full advantage. There's no rules, there's no regulation, just shraddha. Just have faith, you can come on board. That means you come onto the platform, but now the train is coming. Hmm? <laughs> You're on the platform now, you can go the distance, but you have to get on the train. You can't just stay on the platform. Platform means Kanishtadikari. I'm embracing it. It's my religion. I tell other people this is a great thing. I do a little practice and mostly I'm busy with, with other things and hopefully I have some humility. If I have some humility then I can then I can understand the value in this and the importance of behaving in a particular way. Of appropriate behavior. From misbehavior to appropriate behavior. There's, whatever your behavior is, you have faith, come on board. doesn't matter, right? But, if you want to go the distance, then in the third verse we'll talk about this afternoon, Mahaprabhu speaks about a behavioral code and a proper disposition. And what is that verse about? Nishta, firm faith. The kind of faith whether will take you the distance. If you chant with this kind of behavior, then you can get praying. If you have faith, anybody can chant. But if you want to chant without offense and continually and get taste and so forth, then this kind of behavioral code Mahaprabhu is given. This is an adhikar on a higher level. You understand? Initial adhikar eligibility is just faith. Higher level of adhikars, oh, you have to behave like this. That means getting off the platform, getting on the train and going there. This is the junction between Kanishtadikari and Madhyamadikari, which means spiritual life. The junction between religious orientation to it and an experiential, spiritual orientation to the whole tradition. Mahaprabhu ends the second verse saying, I misbehaved, and begins the third verse with all humility, speaking about the proper conduct, mode of conduct. For a, for a person who wears these beads, neck beads, and the uh, other identifying marks, tilak, of a Gaudiya Vaishnav. So we'll hear more about that verse this afternoon. Any question? Yes. yes um, in the beginning, you were speaking about Namhata and the uh, and the price that he, the price in exchange with Shraddha. Then I was thinking about Jagai and Manai. They didn't have Shraddha, yet he gave it to them still. No, uh, one of them, Jagai, showed some Shraddha. Mm -hmm. This is after he was um, got hit on the head by the pot. Yeah. So this is after, before or after? After. After. When Madai went to strike Mahabharu? Something like that. Second time or something. Hmm? Then Jagai stopped him. That was the Shraddha. At that point he had faith. Some faith. And then Madai was converted also. We go after people before they have faith. That's when he got the mercy. The mercy really came. I mean, Nana is giving 
you know, we're giving mercy to people where they don't, when they don't have faith, so we're creating Sukriti by doing that and in them and so forth. But at the point where Jagai showed some faith, oh, they sadhus, actually, we shouldn't, we shouldn't do this. And then Mahaprabhu gave himself to him. And faith means also the faith that we have, it should transport us into sadhusanga. And if that shraddha is is really a developing shraddha, then how it will manifest? In the context of sadhu sangha, we'll attach ourselves to a sadhu and follow his or her guidance. Otherwise, it's only a shadow of shraddha. We attach ourselves to the person and to their guidance. So sometimes they say, no, this is wrong. You don't do this. This is a wrong understanding. No, you've made offense here. If we have no ear for that, then then what will we do? Then we'll, 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 we'll either come forward or we'll, or we'll start to, all of a sudden, our reasoning will start to come up with so many ideas. How, what's wrong with Krishna consciousness? What's the problem with it? And I'm telling you, Krishna will go away. That's not the kind of humility that's the means to deal with this problem. It's just the opposite. Krishna Nam will recede. And the intelligence will come so much reasoning, what's wrong with this? It's not, you know, it's not hip enough or whatever. It's just, these are just old books on the shelf and any more, you're offending the Shastras and so forth. So don't wonder, wait a minute, I didn't commit any offenses. No, the, the proof is in the pudding. The, 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 you judge a fruit by the tree. You're chanting, you have no ecstasy. There must be offenses in the background. Have you not seen devotees do this? Come and get initiated and say, yes, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll follow, and, and so forth. And then they go away, and then they then they think Krishna consciousness is no good, and they, they, they reason against it, and, oh, yeah, I did that. Haven't you seen that happen? So some, some offenses, and then they're going, to become, they're going to become devotees again at some point when the reaction wears off. So if you see, can see the whole picture, you can understand. That's why you have no taste. They say it takes many lifetimes. So you've been doing this for some time. No one comes with an unclean record, practically. As I said, this whole embodiment is about misbehavior. Misplaced values and so forth. So, so we should follow properly. Then... Over time, all these glories of Sankirtan, the efficacy of that, that will be realized. And not that, well, I've followed properly for a while. No, for, for quite a while. You have to, when you get to the point where you're, you're decided, I'm going to follow properly because that's what he's supposed to do regardless, then, you, then you're getting somewhere. Not based on something's got to come, otherwise I, I won't go forward. Something is, is coming. So many reactions are being done away with that you would have had to incur. So, ready for the Arctic? Gaur Premanande Hari Hari Bo Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Hari Hari Bo Hari Hari Bo